Grant, O Lord, that thy word only may be spoken and thy word only may be received. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This morning, beloved, we find ourselves in Matthew's fourth great discourse, as it is called. There are four discourses. This one is on ecclesiology, which is a big Greek word that means church. Matthew is giving us instructions on how to be the church. Now, last week, Jesus taught us how to settle disputes in the community of the church. If you remember this verse, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. We learned in that lesson how we are responsible one to another and that true acts of love involve helping one another overcome sin and distortion. That we are all in it together. This week, beloved, Jesus focuses on what I like to call the church as the house of forgiveness. Now, I really love the way this parable begins. Peter, zealous as he is, comes to Jesus and asks him, I can imagine his, po- his chest poked out a bit. Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often shall I forgive? As many as seven times. Now, for those of you who might not know, Peter is extremely enthusiastic and always ready to go the extra distance, the extra mile. Peter is always the first to speak up. He tests and tries our Lord over and over again. And with this opening question, Peter again shows his enthusiasm and his piety. Peter supposes that he is pushing the boundaries of faith. Peter, by his question, is trying to show his piety in that he is willing to do way, way, way more than what could ever be asked. No one should ever have to forgive that much. It is absurd. Now, in reading the gospel lesson, you have to picture... Peter thinking that Jesus will be amazed by his response and reply, bless you, Peter. That's way more than anyone should ever have to forgive. That's way more than is asked of you. Peter, I am proud of you. You must also picture the shock on the face of Peter when Jesus does not say, Peter, I am proud of you, but rather rebukes Peter and says, not seven times, Peter, but I tell you, seven times seven. Seventy-seven, some Bibles say. Peter, you are to forgive an infinite amount. You are to forgive without ending. And with our Lord's rebuke, the zealous and brave, the pious Peter sinks, humbled by the Son of God. Now, this idea of forgiveness, of course, is unheard of. To forgive and to forgive and to forgive again and again and again, over and over, without end, hard. No wonder Peter's countenance falls. His chest sinks. Now, Jesus goes further than that, and he ends today's gospel with a parable. The example of the unforgiving servant. And he ends that parable with some very scary words. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you 
if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Now, to put that bluntly, if we do not forgive others, or if we cannot forgive others, then prepare ourselves to live outside of God's kingdom. If we cannot find it in our hearts to forgive others, we must prepare ourselves for torment, to pay back the debt we owe. If we do not forgive others, we will not be forgiven. Now to the modern ear, that seems all wrong. We are advanced enough now to know that God doesn't work this way. To the modern believer, faith, the relationship with Jesus comes about individually and it has nothing to do with anyone else. That is to say, a person of faith comes to know Jesus personally, wants to know more about Jesus, believes in Jesus first, and then perhaps that person finds a group of people who share similar ideas and they sing worship songs. The church is secondary and not at all necessary. So as modern Christianity has it, a saving faith in Jesus Christ lies in the heart of an individual believer and that faith can be lived out in a community of individuals or not. So following the logic of modern American Christianity, forgiveness is secondary business, not essential. But the words of Jesus this morning, brothers and sisters, turn that notion on its head. The words of Jesus this morning shatter the notion of individual faith. Jesus tells us very clearly with scary words. Faith is held by the church, by the community, and we share in that faith when we share in the life of the church, when we participate in the life of the church. So faith is not held by an individual. Faith is participated in when we live within the life of the church. Faith is not held by the individual. It is participated in when we live lives within the life of the church. Now, that statement forces this question. If you cannot reconcile with others, can you not then reconcile with God? Jesus answers with great clarity that question in the Gospel of Matthew. No, you cannot. If you cannot forgive others, God will not forgive you and you cannot truly live within the faith of the church. So to explain that, on the most basic level possible, this is what happens. This is what happens to a person when they cannot forgive someone who has wronged them or even begin to forgive them or begin to want to forgive them. They end up as a shell of a person, eaten away inside with bitterness and hatred and remorse. They end up less than human. Through the act of holding a grudge, holding bitterness in their heart, a person dies inside, dies to goodness, dies to God, and dies to the community. So in that sense, if a person cannot find it in their heart to forgive or want to forgive or want to want to forgive, then a person cannot live to God or within the community of the church. They don't have the ability scarred with bitterness and hatred. 
Faith is not something held by the individual. It is held by the church. We participate in that faith as a member of the body of Christ. If one cannot participate in the community because of bitterness and hatred, they have not faith, at least according to Jesus' words as recorded in the Gospel of St. Matthew. Think about this. When the apostles ask Jesus, teach us how to pray, Jesus gives them the prayer we know as the Lord's Prayer. It is not long and complicated and nuanced. It contains a very few things. We are, pray, we are to pray for the kingdom of God to come. We are to pray for the will of God to be done. We are to ask for our daily bread, for our immediate needs. And we ask for the forgiveness of our trespasses as we forgive the trespasses of others. Jesus teaches us in this prayer what is essential, essential for our lives. First, the kingdom and will of God. Second, the sustenance that God provides us. And finally, forgiveness from God and our forgiveness of others. God's forgiveness goes hand in hand with our forgiveness of others. To hold a grudge and to withhold forgiveness is to walk the road to perdition. It's tough. So then we must ask another question. How do we forgive others? Now, if you are anything like me, and I pray God you are not, at times it is very hard to forgive someone. Sometimes it is as if it seems impossible to forgive others. And if it seems impossible to forgive others, it's because it is impossible to forgive others, at least under our own accord and our own power. Some of us have had heinous, horrible acts committed against us. Others of us have been humiliated by others and others ruined by the deeds of men. And so our pain, our anguish, our injury runs so deep, we cannot find forgiveness. Not only can we not find it, but we do not want to find it. But we must. And to do so, we must pray for grace and strength. We must pray for the mercy of God Almighty. We must pray that God will give us the things we need to be able to forgive the sins done against us. We start by constantly holding those who have done us wrong in prayer. We must constantly offer those people to God. We must without fail ask God to help us forgive them for what they have done. To help us in that venture, we must prayerfully think on what God has forgiven us for. For all of us have committed heinous acts against our Lord. We have denied him. We have mocked him. We have forgotten him. We have turned against him in our own lives. So if we are to pray that we may forgive others, we must remember what our Lord has forgiven in us. Now, a fine example of this is our beloved and zealous friend, Peter, who we spoke of before. 
Peter, who is said to be closest to Jesus. Peter, who is said to be the leaders of the followers of Christ. Peter, the rock upon which the church is built. Peter, the bold and the brave. Peter, who denied Christ three times when Jesus needed him most. In fact, Peter's last act, the last thing Peter did before our Lord died on the cross was to deny knowing him. I do not know this man. As Jesus suffered in agony and died while all around him humiliated him, Peter ran away. We all do the same thing over and over and over again. My whole life is founded and based on faith in this. Peter was forgiven. We, you and I, are forgiven. We must forgive others. Faith is not an individual thing. Faith is held in community and intertwined between our relationships. And to live in community, we must forgive others or we won't be forgiven. Our God is a God of forgiveness, infinite forgiveness. We worship a God whose mercy and forgiveness and mercy knows no end and extends to every person who has ever walked the face of this earth. And to share the life of Christ, we must share in that forgiveness. So brothers and sisters, pray. Pray for your enemies. Pray for those who have done you wrong. Pray that you may show them mercy as our Father in heaven shows each and every one of us mercy upon mercy upon mercy. And finally, give thanks. Give thanks for this house of forgiveness. Give thanks to our God who forgives every wrong done to him and to others. And let us take our part and share in the faith of the church. Let us commit ourselves to the forgiveness of others. So that our Father in heaven will show us that same mercy. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.